Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Weekend Perspective. I'm Kitty Dunn along with Jonathan Sutton. And today we're talking about a Madison musician, a guy who made Madison his home. His drumsticks are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And if you're into the Madison music scene, you know I'm talking about the funky drummer Clyde Stubblefield. Well, Trevor Banks wants to make a movie about the life and career of Clyde Stubblefield, and he needs your help. So we're going to find out more with Trevor Banks. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's an uh, absolute honor. He thinks he's talking to someone else, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, but So Trevor, let's start at square one. For those maybe who don't understand the magnitude of Clyde Stubblefield in the music business, we here in Madison kind of take it for granted now, but there are plenty of people who don't know a lot about him, right? Yeah, and that's a that's a big motivation for for wanting to make this film. Uh, so if, if, to give some context, Clyde was the former drummer of James Brown uh, in the late '60s and the early '70s, and uh, contributed to the band on on countless hits. Um, a, a lot to to list, but uh, he's most notably uh, on the Funky Drummer, which was a, a very unassuming. A uh, record by James Brown that was released in the 70s, um, which was a great record in and of itself, um, but uh, kind of was overlooked at that time until, uh, you know, hip hop started to evolve and uh, DJs and producers rediscovered uh, that, that 45 uh, that was released in the 70s and started repurposing this drum break that Clyde had as the solo uh, in the middle of the song and, um, you know, DJs and producers and uh, the folks who were starting to create hip hop just recycled that beat over and over. And that beat became a cornerstone during the, 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 the evolution of hip hop. And you got, you have major artists like Run DMC and LL Cool J and uh, you name it, who, who sampled this beat. And, uh, Clyde is the one, Madison's own. Clyde was the one who played such a big part in that. And in, in countless other, you know, breakbeats that Clyde made uh, went on to, to have such a strong presence in the creation of music uh, and genres that transcended the actual music that he played with Brown. We're talking with Trevor Banks, who's making a movie about Clyde Stubblefield called Give the Drummer Some, and there's a fundraising effort going on on Seed and Spark. Now, you tell us a little bit about your connection with Clyde Stubblefield and why you want to make this movie. 
Sure. I have a personal relationship with Clyde that dates back to when I was a young kid. Um, my dad had even a, a longer relationship with Clyde that dates, dated back to when he was a kid. And uh, Clyde and my dad were really close. They played together for a very long time on the, in the Madison music scene. My dad ended up being his band director in the later years of Clyde's life. Um, and so that 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 initiated my 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 want and desire to tell Clyde's story um because I got to see how unique he was as a person firsthand and and I got to develop a very deep understanding and appreciation for his contributions to the musical world on a, literally a global scale uh his his fingerprint touched so much of the music that we've come to love and the music that we did love and we continue to be hearing today. Like he still has an impression on, on stuff and there's still records that are, are sampling his, his work. Um, and so my motivation from the start has always been to raise awareness and let people know who this individual was, who Clyde was, and ultimately solidify his legacy as an American music pioneer. Let's go back for a second when you were saying you knew him as a kid. There's stories a lot of times where people will be like, oh, in my household, these famous people were coming through and they were just like normal people to me. You know, we'll interview musicians who talk about their life when they were younger. When you first met Clyde, did you, was he just like Uncle Clyde? You know what I mean? Or did you, when you first met him, know that he was such an accomplished musician or you were too young to know? Like, I'm curious about that very early time, too. Yeah, um... I think it, it was a weird sort of dynamic, and there's there's this weird duality for folks who lived in Madison uh, who knew Clyde because he was sort of just this guy, uh, not just a guy, but he was this, this figure who everyone loved in the Madison music scene who who uh, was, the, was the dude who played on Monday nights at the King Club, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, for me, uh, I always... To, to varying degrees when I was younger, maybe not as much, but I, I, I always had a sense and understanding that he was somebody who was important in music. So My is that something your your dad, Joey B. Banks, I want to tell everybody who he is. So, yeah, sorry. So yeah. uh, it, it's not just Trevor's dad. Uh, Joey has been, he's been here at the radio station a lot of times, good friend of the radio station. Uh, but so did he, was he like impressing on you? Like pay attention to this guy. He's important. Oh, a hundred percent. We would play, he, I was, I was uh, groomed with James Brown records, right? And he would, he would point out like, this is Clyde, you know, Clyde lives in Madison. I play with him all the time. He'd see me play with him. He'd call at the house, and I'd answer the phone, and he'd ask for my dad, and I'd be like, oh, wow, this is Clyde Stubblefield calling. Sure, just a sec. Let me go get him. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And um, But, yeah, from a very early age, you know, I I was listening to Clyde, and, and his music made a very early impression on me. So I always knew the the level and the stature of him as a musician but but with that um it was very normal for him to just you know pop in or for for me to see him at one of my dad's gigs and or my dad playing with him so it was very cool to have such a intimate like perspective when it comes to being able to see Clyde and like that access but uh never losing sight of like 
how much of a colossal figure he was in music. We're talking with Trevor Banks about giving Give the Drummer Some, a movie about Clyde Stubblefield that is in progress. And Trevor, you actually started making this movie when Clyde was still alive and with us. Yeah, yeah. To, to be exact, uh, we started shooting interviews and sitting down and really initiating this project back in 2015. Uh, and Clyde was very enthusiastic about uh, participating. He was completely on board. And as we sort of continued shooting, uh, while in the, in the later years of his life, our, him and I's relationship kind of blossomed and he gained, I gained even more trust from him. And in turn, I gained so much more perspective on not only his contributions to the musical world, but uh, just understanding who, how he lived his life as an individual, which is a, a, a subject that I want to make sure that I illustrate properly in this film and letting people know that Clyde is an anomaly of a person. Like he's a true, authentic, one of one individual. Like there's nobody like him. And I, I came to the, the conclusion pretty quickly, and I don't put this lightly, that he is a musical genius. If you look at the way he operated and like the way he lived and, and just knowing that he had never had a musical lesson, lesson in his life, there's no traditional training background that he had and, and knowing that and then seeing what he did and the way he did it and how just like incredibly unique and original the, the stuff that he did was, uh, I, I can't come, I don't know how to define that other than just genius, like literal. And I, again, I don't put that, take that word lightly. Like, I mean it, he's a genius. And so um, I was really fortunate to be able to get get a, a pretty un, unprecedented access during Clyde's final years of his life and at the same time have his trust. Um, and that's something that I'll never take for granted. We're talking to Trevor Banks about the uh, documentaries making Give the Drummer Some. Now, when you first started it, was it just you and a camera? Like, were the early stages uh, pretty modest? Like, how, when you first started, were you like, Clyde, let me just videotape you a little bit talking about stuff? Or did you already have, like, a full game plan? Uh, it was a little bit of both. So um, the first time we started rolling cameras was in a more formal setting, uh, and we obviously had no money to do it, but I have some, had some friends and people in, in the industry uh, in Madison that uh, were willing to just participate in this um, and work on deferred payment. Uh, so we sat down with him and shot a, a pretty extensive interview. But then beyond that, it was just me and a camera for the most part, kind of following him around. Uh, while he just kind of lived his life. I, I hung out with him at home. Uh, I went to some, you know, medical appointments he had. There was a lot of stuff he was dealing with medical-wise towards the end of his life. So I hung out with him at a dialysis appointment. Wow. Um, and he told me that I was the first one that, you know, ever accompanied him to dialysis, uh, which I, I, is, is, is really heartbreaking to hear. But again, like, I appreciated that trust and like his willingness to be completely candid. And I, I captured a bunch of shows uh, that they did leading up to 
the scholarship fund that they that they initiated. I actually came into the station and, and shot some stuff with you guys during that process when he was promoting that that concert series uh, at the Barrymore. We know that's on the cutting room floor. That's okay. We're not insulted. Don't worry. There's that that footage is out there in the world if you Google it on on Facebook. Oh, I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> it was great, but it shout out to you guys because you've been supporting him, you know, for a long time, and there's there's documented evidence of it. So, well, Trevor, the other the other question though, when a lot of musicians go back and reflect on their life, two things that come to mind: one, many musicians don't remember a lot, and they'll joke that if I remembered it, I wasn't there. Is that the case with, with Clyde? Was there a lot of stuff that was fuzzy, or he's pretty crystal clear on most of it? Um, again, like, I kind of started this in the, the latter years of his life. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of stuff that he sort of was on autopilot when it come, came to storytelling. Um, but he was consistent with it, you know? Uh, he made it clear that he appreciated the experiences that he had, uh, he never took him for granted. He got to travel the world. He got to see so many cities. He got to meet so many great people. He got to create classic, iconic, innovative music. He's trailblazer in that sense. Um, but what what's really interesting and something that I really admire about Clyde is that as 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 awesome of a life he lived and how great his contributions were to the world. He he almost could could have cared less, right? Like he was happy to do it, but that was the past, right? And he lived his life day to day, and he was like this leaf blowing in the wind, uh, and he went with the flow, and that's that goes back to me with what I was saying before of him just being this anomaly of a person where. He uh, he just lived his life the way he wanted to live it, and day to day, like literally in the moment. And so that stuff, I think, like I said, he appreciated and never took for granted. But he didn't he didn't dwell on it. He didn't he didn't live in the past. He didn't uh, he didn't put put himself on this pedestal as this guy who helped create, you know, a, an entirely new sound of funk music and who helped pioneer a, a whole new genre of music. And in that sense, like he 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 didn't care so much. He wasn't that he wasn't that concerned. He wasn't that impressed uh, with himself. I I I don't know if it was that. I think he again. I think he was impressed with his, his himself in the sense that he was proud of it. He never like didn't want to claim that stuff, but he was very humble about it. I guess mm. I could say he was humble and. Um, he he acknowledged what happened in the past and what he contributed, and um, but also to the degree I don't know if he I I would play him like these hit records like big records that sampled Funky Drummer, and I'd be like, have you heard this uh, Dr. Dre song that was you know a, a hit that sampled Funky Drummer? He'd be like, no, I don't ever heard of it. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And I'm like, dude, it's Dr. Dre. He's like, yeah, I don't ever heard of it. <laughs> right. Well, so did what? did some of those artists ever reach out to him really or realize that it was him or most of them did or some of them did? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I think that's probably on an individual basis. Um, I'm sure there are some who re- recognized who the individual was on those breaks. 
whether it was Funky Drummer, whether it was Cold Sweat, whether it was Turn it, Give It Up or Turn It Loose, Soul Pride, just to name a few, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, as as messed up as it kind of is, you know, they they weren't really obligated to ha- have to acknowledge him. One, uh, monetarily, which we all know is 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 a, a, a crime. Uh, you know that that he never got his due that in that sense, but um, they they really weren't necessarily obligated to to acknowledge him on just like a, 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 a out of courtesy, right? Yeah, or put him um, in the liner think, notes or something. Something, <laughs> and, and you know, I, a part of it is is part of the times. I think in the early part of of him becoming this cult his his breakbeats becoming this cult like a meme and like being recycled over and over again they didn't know like they they, they there was no uh credit for him he was his name wasn't on the records it took a while for for people to unsurface like his name and like do the research for him to actually be discovered at, by his name and uh I well, think I, at that point, people people started to to give him his credit in the sense of like acknowledging him and like saying his name. Um, but I, obviously, we know they, they they weren't entitled to pay him. Right. Well, that's what I think will be so fascinating about your documentary too. Is if there's this whole setup of what influence he's had on the music business, and then come when he was still alive, visit him in Madison, Wisconsin, and it's certainly not like an episode of MTV Cribs. And I think that juxtaposition. <laughs> Will will be so interesting to see and heartbreaking in some respects, but I do appreciate that you say he never seemed to be bitter about it. Is that right? No, no. At least at least when I talked to him, and maybe he came to terms with it later in his life. Uh, I never had those conversations when he was in the midst of that explosion of his stuff being sampled. Uh, I think a lot of people were in his ear and telling him that he was entitled to all this stuff and. And like I said, he lived day to day. And if if people didn't tell him that, if people weren't necessarily in his ear, I I don't think he would have really cared that much. Um, but you know, when you've got people, you know, telling you all these things and throwing all this stuff in your face and telling you what you should be doing, then you know that that makes an impression on you. Uh, even someone as strong-willed and like uh, like like just individualistic as, as Clyde was, you know, that's going to, that's going to break through to a degree. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for, for me to come to terms with that sort of stuff, but I have to sort of like acknowledge, like just let it be because knowing how Clyde lived, how can I, how can I be mad if Clyde wasn't even mad? You know, we project our, we project our thoughts and feelings, but, at the end of the day, Clyde was content with the life he lived and his contributions, and so. And speaking I of contributions, <laughs> we should. Speaking of contributions, we should talk about one of the reasons we're having you on is you're still looking for some, right? Yeah, yeah. So as you just mentioned earlier, we are in the midst of a crowdfunding campaign to continue this production um, on a platform called Seed and Spark, and we launched it last week, Monday. Uh, with a goal of $10,000 in order to just initiate the next phase of production, um, specifically on the East Coast, to get a few more interviews under our belt with people that we have lined up and people that we plan to interview. And uh, surprisingly, 
I guess I won't say surprisingly, but like shockingly people showed up to contribute at a rapid pace and we hit our goal within like three and a half days. Um, and so I, I've, I'm so grateful of that and so appreciative of the people who uh, acknowledge like the, the contributions that Clyde made and like it's, it's, it's given me affirmation that I'm doing the right thing and we're in telling Clyde's story. Um, and that's, it's, it's so encouraging and it's making me, it's, I continue to be optimistic. Um, but with that said, at the same time, like, even though we hit our mark, it was never intended for us to see production all the way through. So even though we've exceeded our goal, any, any more contributions from anybody at any, any level, uh, is only going to enable us to like continue pushing this project forward. It's going to let us go to the West coast. It's going to let us come back to Madison and shoot some interviews with people that we need to. It's going to let us go overseas with some folks that we, we would love to get some insight on and, and hear their perspective um, and just travel around and, and capture and hear as many stories as possible uh, about Clyde from, from as, as big of influential figures as possible. Um, he touched on so much and there's so much appeal. And a thing that I realized very quickly is, when I reach out and ask people if they want to contribute to this project, whether it's monetarily, which has been great, but just uh, sit down and talk about Clyde. Uh, when I tell them what we're doing, they're instantly like, yes, when, where, I want to tell you how important Clyde is to me and, and the world and the music and say the word and we'll make it happen. So uh, the Clyde card is, is very strong and, Another little thing that I don't take for granted, like his spirit is really help, helping push this along and uh, people appreciate him. And it's great to see that it's re being reciprocated. What's the time frame? Are we thinking, are you hoping now for the movie? And is this like, then you submit it to Sundance or walk us through like a, a little time frame here? Sure. It's, uh, it's hard to tell. It's a process. Um, I, it, I'm still in the the process of raising funds so that we can even enable ourselves to shoot. Right. And so, um, it's hard to say, I would, I would love to have this out sooner than later. Um, but I don't know how it's going to play out. You know, there's, there's so many people we want to speak with. Um, scheduling is going to be a whole thing and getting the, the timing right with people. And then we got to edit it and then we got to get all the, the licensing and clearances. And so it's going to be a process. Uh, which is, is just part of the, the filmmaking world and something that I'm not trying to rush. I want to make sure that I tell this story the right way and do right by Clyde. And however long it takes, it takes. But uh, I feel optimistic about it. And we're in a, a great position to, to hit the ground running. Trevor Banks, the producer director of Give the Drummer. I want to say that over. <laughs> Trevor Banks, the producer director of Give the Drummer Some, a documentary about Clyde Stubblefield. You can find out more by going to the Seed and Spark uh, fundraising platform and you can get involved. Trevor, thanks so much for joining us. You know us. what? I got to ask him one more question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, I could talk to you all day long. I do have another question. Oh and as far as your movie making skills, have you made other movies before? This is all new for you as well. So this is going. This is the biggest undertaking that I've 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 uh, taken on. I have my work cut out for me, but I've been working in film and video production for ten plus years. Uh, a lot of music-based stuff. I worked with a global um, 
music broadcasting company. I worked for a, a boutique production company here in Brooklyn where I live now, and we work with some pretty big-name clients uh, doing a lot of branded stuff, a lot of music, again, music-related content stuff, and just think as, a, as a freelance producer and director and editor and cinematographer, I've uh, had my hands on uh, a lot of different uh, content types. And so uh, documentary filmmaking has always been something that I've been gravitated towards. And uh, I've found this passion project of mine that uh, I've been committed to telling for a very long time. Uh, like I said, from, since 2015. So um, as, as uh, I guess, green as I am in the sense of, you know, feature length films, I'm confident that I'm absolutely the right one to tell this story. Um, one, because of the, the personal relationship that, that I had with Clyde, but two, just my passion for his story and the, the acquired knowledge that I've gained through, through just doing research and talking with people and, um, you know, just, just again, being passionate about it. And so, uh, this is going to be, yeah, a big one for me personally, but, uh, I wouldn't want it any other way, uh, to be able to like tell a Clyde story on this grand scale. And so as ambitious as a thing, it might, as a project, it might be, I'm confident that, uh, that I can take it on. Trevor, we're confident too. And the reason we are asking that last question is because when you go, Except the Oscar for best documentary. <laughs> we want a shout out wow. to us. <laughs> wow. I'm just no, no that that's probably on the fundraising platform. With if we give them a million dollars, we probably get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you guys, you, you're you're giving you're amplifying this this project. So the, you know, a huge shout out to you. And again, <laughs> I know you've been sub- supportive of Clyde in the past. And uh, in just the Madison community, music community, you guys are really holding it down. So I try our best support. All right, Trevor, thank, thank you. you. See it in spark.com slash fun slash give the drummer some is where you can That's make your it. donations. So uh, good luck right to you, Trevor, and we'll talk to you again down the road. Appreciate it, Jonathan and Kitty. Have an awesome one. All right. Thank you. Along with Jonathan Sutton, I'm Kitty Dunn for Weekend Perspective.